0: We play and call it work. Hey everybody, Matthew here from MiniWarGaming.com and welcome to a new season of Sit & Talk. The show where we just sit down and talk to you guys and answer your questions. We used to do this live and now it's not going to be live. It's going to be coming out every Saturday right here. And of course, you're welcome to leave questions in the comments for the person who goes next week, which will be Josh. So we'll be doing a rotation of everybody except Dave. Dave, um, if you want to talk to him, join him weekly on his live Shrine of Chaos on Wednesday, or leave comments or questions on those shows whenever you like so The Sit and Talk is a show, for those that are not familiar, where you can just ask us anything about anything. Usually it's uh, miniature wargaming related, well, that can go into other subjects like business. We tend to stay away from politics and stuff wherever we can. And of course we reserve the right to not answer the questions. I asked our YouTube and Facebook communities to give me questions for my first show coming back and you did not disappoint. I've got more than I could possibly answer in a one hour show. So this will be a weekly show and you can leave comments below for, did I say this already? I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I'm not sure. So next week is Josh. If you want to leave questions for him, leave those in the comments below and that's what he will pull from to answer for next week's sit and talk. Also, every Saturday now, the Open Vault is returning. And so for our Vault members, that is there right now. If you go to miniwargaming.com, the Open Vault is a behind the scenes show where we show you what's going on and how we do stuff and... Just a general feeling of behind the scenes at Mini Wargaming. It's for Vault members only, whether you're bronze or silver, doesn't matter. So go to miniwargaming.com right now to check out that show. If you're not a Vault member, you can still go there. You can sign up for a free seven day trial, get instant access to everything in the Vault and check it out to see if it's for you. And that's what helps support us. So if you want to see us succeed, then the best thing you can do for that is to become a Vault member. So I'm gonna start just going through questions. I'm gonna do the best I can. This show is supposed to be about an hour long. And so I'm just going to answer questions until I run out of time. I'm going to switch between the Facebook ones and YouTube ones so that I don't like favor one over the other. Although I probably will by accident just by how long I spend on certain questions. So I'm just going to start grabbing stuff. I haven't read any of these yet, so um, we'll just see what it is. Todd Antoine, Matthew. Now that ninth edition has been around for close to a month, a little longer for us because we got it a couple of weeks early, which is nice, so we can. Figure it all out. What are your overall impressions of the changes from 8th edition to 9th edition? Do you find the new changes to be very very well thought out? Are there some you wish you see FAQ now that you have tried these rules out? What do you think of the new missions? Are you enjoying the secondaries? Sorry, I know this is more than one question, but I'm very curious your feedback back. I love the content you guys have been putting out over the last few years. Duration of my Vault membership, awesome, thank you. And I look forward to the day when you guys can host People in the Bunker once more. Happy working. And wish Steve a happy birthday too, please ongoing joke. Um, ninth 9th edition over 8th edition, there are definitely a lot of improvements. My issue with 40k right now is it's become an alpha strikey shooty game and there are ways to mitigate that totally. It's not a bad game, it's just that the the armies I tend to like like Tyranids and Genestealer cults are not ridiculously powerful at range. Tyranids can be, but Genestealer cults tend not to be. And there are ways to play these armies better. And so It's definitely the the dawn or the era of the Space Marine right now. And if you're not playing Space Marines, there are some exceptions, some other armies that can hold their own, but the Space Marines are definitely dominating. And we're going to be seeing even more updates to that soon with the Space Marine Codex, but apparently all the other weapons and other codexes are getting updates too, or a lot of the other weapons, so we'll see what happens. What I've noticed is that if you don't have your terrain set up perfectly, then whoever goes first just gets a significant advantage, unless you're both playing less shooty armies. Uh, and that, to me, is less fun. Eighth edition had the same problem, though, and it was it was it was growing more and more that problem. Essentially, there's an escalation of firepower, and uh, close combat firepower doesn't really count because, um, basically, if, if close combat goes up, that's fine because it's hard to get there. So when you get there, you better be rewarded for it. And every edition, close combats always been lethal, and shooting's been less lethal than it is right now to represent. Um, Sorry, I got a phone call in the middle of that from my wife and I had to answer. So, I may repeat myself a bit, I'm trying to remember where I left off exactly. So, shooting has escalated basically, and the problem is, the, and this happens with a lot of gaming companies, not just Games Workshop, but Games Workshop is definitely very guilty of this, and that is, to address, to address um, balance problems, rather than balancing something down, they'll just try to balance everything up. And there are some exceptions to that. I do get that sometimes things go down. Like 9th edition came out, everything's points value went up, but everything's went up. So all that really does is brings everybody, number of models on the table slightly down. But it's not a significant change, like it's significant enough, like what used to be a 2000 point army now is like 1700, 1800, sometimes lower, depending on which um, codex that you play. But you get this whole like, oh, this thing got better. So rather than fixing it and making it not as good, we will make the next thing better and the next thing better. But the problem with that, it might feel like it's, it's fixing it because if everybody's on the same power level, then what's the problem? But once you reach a certain power level, then all of a sudden the alpha strike becomes too powerful. I think back when, I, when I'm playing, uh, when I played Starcraft, for example, um, the basic Terran marine costs 50 minerals to make and it makes one marine, just looks like a space marine with a, with a bolter. And on the Zerg side, the Tyranid side, for the same 50 minerals, you can make two Zerglings, which are like hormigons, if you're not familiar with Starcraft. I'm sure most people here are. And if you start them further apart and have the Zerglings go after that Marine, the Marine will shoot and the Marine will kill one of the Zerglings and almost kill the other one before it dies, or it'll kill both of them, but it'll be almost dead. In other words, it's pretty darn balanced, the firepower versus those two. But what happens when you scale it up? Two Marines versus four Zerglings, that'll still work. But when you get up to 20 Marines versus 40 Zerglings, or more likely at 40 Marines versus 80 Zerglings, then the shooting starts to become too powerful because you have to remember that the shooting is ranged, so they're able to shoot over each other, whereas close combat things get in each other's way. And so what happens is there's so much firepower that the Zerglings can actually rarely get to the Marines, and then it becomes a wash. So there is a certain point where you're like, well, if this is equivalent to this. If you multiply both by 100, they should be equivalent but they're not. If they were both shooting, like if there's hundred marines versus hundred marines, it's a little different because in this case it's a real-time strategy game and both sides are going at the same time. But if it was a turn-based and you bring both sides up, and I think like uh, the Battletech computer game, for example, now that one's initiative driven, but if you can somehow get your, if you have two sets of heavy mechs, heavy robots going at each other, and you can somehow get yours to have the initiative bonus so that they're all going first then you get in there and you use four of them to take down one of their mechs and now they're down to three-quarters of their firepower for when they fire back. And that can, that's a significant change. Whereas if the, at the lower firepowers, you know, you fire back and forth and you're just damaging a bit and then they get to fire back damage a bit and the back and forth really works. And so, to me, that's kind of what's happened with Warhammer 40k because it's shooting that's what's going to happen. It just, it kind of escalates to the point where now it's whoever shoots first. Now, there are ways to try to mitigate this. Uh, if you have lots of terrain on the table, especially line of sight blocking terrain down the middle of the table, then uh, that stops the, the first person from being able to just alpha strike um, and going for the objectives instead. And so, and, and some people will disagree with me, of course, and that's perfectly fine. But when you're looking at casual level games, you're going to find that people don't take into consideration all these things and their, their experiences might be a little soured by that. And so that's that's kind of where I th- see the game is at right now. I'd really wish for an entire rebalancing of everything, but now they just announced that they're going to make all the guns stronger. Uh, marines, of course, are going up a wound for all the firstborn, but that doesn't really change much except to allow you to bring them where before you maybe wouldn't, because you already have the two wound primaris. So space marines are already two wounds, it's just now you have access to more two-wound space marines. But now every weapon is going up. swords are becoming an extra AP. Heavy Bolters go up to damage too. Uh, uh, melted weapons do more damage when they're at close range rather than rolling twice and taking the best one. And then apparently they're going to be updating a bunch of Xenos and other Imperium weapons as well to kind of match that. So once again we're seeing an escalation in power. and. That to me is not the answer. The answer is actually to really de-escalate a lot of the weapons. Like if I I had complete control over making the rules for 40K, I'm not gonna pretend that I'm an expert at this, but I am gonna tell you what I would do. I would instantly drop the ranges of a lot of weapons and I would drop the amount of firepower. I'd get rid of a lot of things too that just allow for insane insane amounts of firepower, like the rapid fire bolter discipline for space marines where now bikes can go anywhere and 24 inches or 30 inches away for the outriders can do their full number of rapid fire shots it's just it's just too much there's just too much firepower on the table and the, i still love the game and i still really enjoy it especially on the narrative level i'm i'm just having a blast making narrative campaigns i played a night versus night game against josh yesterday which you'll see soon and it was fun it had it was crazy and and it was dumb and uh, but it was, it was fun. I still love playing Warhammer 40k, but I don't think 9th edition really addressed the problems of 8th edition. They've added a couple things, like now Overwatch costs a, stra- uh, a command point. I like that, because now you do not just Overwatching all the time, unless you're Tau. And, you know, you can't fall back and shoot if you have fly, unless you've got a stratagem which a lot of people have access to. And it's just a bunch of stuff, but I don't know. I, I think I'd get rid of falling back altogether, but allow vehicles to have some sort of exceptions to that. Or make it a stratagem, so you can only have one thing fall back. Um, and just make close combat a little more lethal. Making the tables smaller. I know they didn't technically make the table smaller. There's the minimum requirement is smaller. But everybody wants to play on the smaller table size now. is better for shooting, because they didn't change the no man's land. So you're still deploying just as far away, but now it's forcing everybody to start closer together. And that makes it harder also to deep strike in and all this other stuff too. So, I love 40k. Um, But right now I have to say that I've been enjoying Age of Sigmar way more. It has its problems, you know, the random turn mechanic can be frustrating, uh, but it tends to... But the reason I think I like Age of Sigmar more is for two reasons. One, there's a whole lot less shooting in it. It's a lot more close combat oriented. And the shooting that is in it, like when you bring a really good shooting list, these things are firing 18 inches away. Uh, The really good ones are 24, but like in 40k, that's laughable, like 18, that's nothing. 24 is a standard, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 inches. Those are what you see everywhere. And with the mobility of everything, to be able to move and fire that much. Now, Age of Sigmar can have some overpowered shooting as well, but for the most part, over at all, it doesn't seem to do that. And so, even if a game is a wash and somebody just destroys somebody else, it usually takes a few turns for that to happen because you've got to get to close combat. Also, you can bring stuff and not worry about your opponent just deleting the important stuff the first turn. That's my other frustration with Ninth edition, is i got to not care about anything. So if I bring this cool thing, unless I put it in strategic reserve, my opponent most likely can decide if he wants to, to, to destroy it. Once again, that can be mitigated by terrain, but it is what it is. So this is turning into a 40k 9th edition review, so I'm going to stop there. So those are some of my thoughts. I have lots of fun with it, but it's got some major flaws that need to be addressed. Um, maybe for the tournament player it works well, but um, for, for more casual, it, it, can, it can cause some issues if people aren't prepared for just how alpha strikey the game can be. So, let's keep going. Uh, Singlim Solis, where did the Warhammer Fantasy bat reps go? Please bring them back. Uh, Well, we do plan on filming more, Warhammer Fantasy, and we did film a bunch right before the the quarantine, so there is gonna be more. Now, the older ones, along with a lot of other older battle reports, we removed um, from the Mini Wargaming vault because of space issues, and people just weren't watching the older videos as much. And so we put those all on a hard drive, which you can purchase at our store at shop.miniwargaming.com if you want access to all those. There's like thousands of videos on there. Uh, but, you know, having been in business for 13 years, you've got to pay for all that storage, right? And so it made sense to kind of chop out all the older stuff that was getting very few views. And if people are still interested in the nostalgia and the, the, the old stuff, you can, you can purchase a hard drive with everything on it at shop.miniwaregaming.com. But we do plan on filming more fantasy in the future. It's not gonna be like a weekly thing. It'll be like every once in a while we'll do a bunch. Um, probably just like horror Heresy. I don't see that unless it becomes super popular. I don't see it becoming a regular show. It'll just be like every once in a while we'll film a bunch and then we'll have this go out for a few weeks and then revisit them every once in a while. Uh, Asylum Bat Reps, first of all, well done for getting through pandemic and still working well. Thank you and that's really a big thank you to all the people that supported us. We had a lot of people sign up for the vault during the pandemic to help support us. So we really appreciate your support to making this work. My question is, out of all the factions of Warhammer Fantasy, 40k and Age of Sigmar, do you find Lorewise your favorite? Oh, Tyranids, ah, uh, gene Cult, with Tyranids being close second. I love that the Tyranids are just alien, hungry and like unimaginably neutral. They don't care about anything except just going by their instincts. If they ever one day do to them what StarCraft did to the Zerg, I would be very disappointed. I, I think, I love StarCraft 1 and Brood War. StarCraft 2, the game is great, but they ruined the Zerg for me. They made them too human. They put a human in charge, made them human emotions, and it just, it just lost it. Just like how Star Trek Voyager kind of ruined the Borg for me. I love Star Trek Voyager, I love Star Trek, but and I loved the Borg because they were terrifying and they were they were not something that you could compare to humanity because they were a collective consciousness. But then they introduced the queen. The, now the queen says, I am the Borg. And you're like, okay, she's supposed to just be like the central thing, but it becomes too personal. And she even shows fear and emotion, which the Borg had never shown before. And so, you know, that kind of thing. I, I like that the tyrannists have not yet had that done to them. I, I hope it's not inevitability that one day they, they turn into that. The that are cults to me are the way to kind of give them personality without ruining them as an alien species, and I just love the Gene that cults' lore and how they rise up, and how their generations work, and how they function, and how all all the stuff about them. So they are by far my favorite lore-wise. Them and the Tyranids. Uh, Dylan Freitas, we have been getting some really good Ninth Edition battle reports. Thank you. But I was going just going to ask if we could get a Matt versus Dave with Niz versus Chaos in the new edition. Um, maybe eventually. It's, uh, (laughs) let's just put it this way. Whenever the two of us play, we need a day off the next day because it gets pretty intense. And so we have no plans to do that anytime soon, but one day I might be able to convince Dave to to have a go at it because he needs like a few days off after. And not because he loses or anything because he can beat me with his chaos, especially in the new edition. Chaos are, I think, way better than Tyrion is right now, at least in certain builds, but uh, just because it gets pretty intense. Optimist, glad we have to have the Sit and Talks back. Question, what new plastic models do you think Tyrannus should get in ninth? I personally want a pyrovor, birovor kit and a plastic hero duel since that's our version of an Imperial Knight and we need oh, to, uh, we kind of need that. So do you mean like plastic kits of things that are fine cast or um, Forge World? Or do you mean like new things? <laughs> like I'd love to see all the Forge World stuff become plastic and then totally redone as well. Like I'd love to see the, the, the hero duels redone, but bigger because they're kind of small now when you look at them. And their stats suck, but you know, rules wise they need an update. But yeah, I'd love to see the hero duels in plastic if that's, if that's what we're talking about here. Um, but if we're talking like new stuff, I would like to, to see a lot of the line completely redone because as much as I love the Tyranid story, I've always said that I'm not as big a fan of their models. I like the way the Zerg look because they're more organic. Like if they're shooting, it's because they're you know, shooting spikes at their back or they're spitting out stuff, not because they look like they're holding a the gun, which is very 80s, which is when the is were made, or 90s or whatever they were, whenever they started, I'm not quite sure. Um, so, so yeah, I'd, I'd love a, a, a wholesale update to their whole line to make them more terrifying and more modern, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. They might be like little by little, but uh, like the Haro Specs looks awesome, for example. That's a terrifying model. I want to see more stuff like that. Uh, Mike, will there be a bigger Gorkamorka campaign for October? If so, will there be any plans to include more digger, Rebel Grots, Muties, or Custom War Bands? No plans to play Gorkamorka in October. I don't think we're going to be ready for that in October. Um, and we've, we've got a lot of other plans for other narrative campaigns and stuff that we are currently in the works of making. So sorry, but uh, I don't know. And that, that could change, of course, depending on if everybody also gets really excited to do it, then we would do that. But right now, that's not in the plan. Uh, Robin Archer. Hello again, another question as I presume that everyone can ask more than one question. You're welcome to. Anyway, any advice on creating your own custom Space Marine chapter? No, I'm not a Space Marine player. So that's something to ask Josh, Luca, or Steve when it's their turn, because that's just, I just don't wanna get into Space Marines because we already have enough people in the building that play Space Marines. So I can't really give you any good advice except do what looks cool to you. Okay, so let's jump over to some Facebook questions. Kurt Slagger. I'm sorry, I can't say your last name, Kurt. Hey Matthew, with all this nurgle craziness going on, what do you foresee for the future of the mini wargaming bunker? I would love to be able to head there once a travel is safe again. I, I see us once we're allowed to resuming what we were trying to do before, running events and tournaments and other stuff in there. Uh, the actual the store, like the store, the max aggression is going to be reopening at the end of September and they're gonna be running their first tournament here at that point. There's gonna be a lot of restrictions in place like face masks have to be worn and there's hand sanitizer everywhere and and we've moved all the tables so they're much further apart and so there's less people that can be in there. So that's going to be open up. One day the restrictions will be list- lifted probably once there's a vaccine that's uh, most people or at least enough people have taken to to defeat this thing. Um, and I'm, that's probably, it. That might be months from now, could even be another year from now. But once we're allowed to, we'll resume what we were trying to do before, running events, cool events, and having guests in here and having fun. <sighs> Sorry, I felt like I had to sneeze for a second. It's not COVID, I swear. I got lots of, lots of uh, allergies in this allergy season. Michael Short, hi Matt. As someone who hasn't seen the new rule book, I'm curious about your thought process as to, your cha- um, as to the changes additions to new crusade rules, in ninth edition. You mentioned in one of the Emperor's Champion videos that you liked their current rules. Oh, shoot. I copied and pasted from Facebook, but I didn't realize that there was some C-more. So if you're... I even tried to click it right there. So I don't see the rest of your comment. Well, the Crusade system is simple, and I like it, and I hope that they'll do kind of what they do with Path to Glory and Age of Sigmar, whereas each codex comes out, they expand on the Crusade rules for each individual one, because it's kind of basic right now. Now, I expanded on the Crusade rules for the Emperor's Champion, but not because I was changing the Crusade rules for the Crusade stuff. Emperor's Champion was not a Crusade campaign. It was, a, it was a, uh, a traditional narrative campaign where I'm a GM and there's a player and I, I walk them through a the story. But I liked the upgrade system of Crusade. And so I borrowed the tables there and I made my own tables too, just to have more possible upgrades. And as I do more of these narrative campaigns, I'll add more of these type of upgrade tables. And, so, and that way I can kind of customize them to the campaign. Like I plan on doing a, a knight campaign, and so that one will have different upgrade tables because you have to think differently when you're playing with just knights. Whereas the one in the main rulebook book has to think generically about like anything. And so that makes it less interesting, but it's a good groundwork. Now, I don't know how that crusade system would work the way it's intended where you get a bunch of friends together and you play tons of games over the course of who knows how long and slowly build up your crusade. I haven't tried that yet. It looks like it would be a pretty slow grow in terms of your guys leveling up. And so it, it, but it could be fun. Um, it, it seems fine. It doesn't seem broken or super boring. It just seems pretty basic. So I'm hoping that they'll expand on it. And I think they've already announced that they're making plans to expand on it. Um, and so that'll make it more interesting. Uh, ben Polar, just want to thank you for the content during Nurgle's Plague. You're welcome. And the only question I have for you is, do you think Games Workshop will bring squats back? Well, technically they have. We have them in Necromunda, and we have them in Blackstone Fortress. So they're nodding to those things. As an army? No, I don't think they'll bring squads back as an army. Just wouldn't make sense. I don't think people are crying for that. Like Sisters of Battle, people, it got quite the cult following of people that wanted it back, and so they kind of, they, they uh, used that to, to really build up hype, and, and that's worked well for them for, deli- for reimagining that army. But that army was still out. It was never squatted per se, it was just, you know, very unloved and unupdated. So we, now we see that that's quite the opposite. Jim Sarter, I think it'd be great if you guys could have a graphics that shows the current points and CPs on screen for the entire game. I'd also like to see you put a graphic up for all stratagems used. Putting up data cards might be overkill, but it would see more, sorry. Uh, I get it, all that would really improve the production value, but the thing is we're limited in how much money we can put into the production value. We're only a handful of people. I. So I Uh, We've been around for a long time. We've built up a large following, but in the end, we're still a very small company. There's only a handful of us and we have one editor who does everything and so we don't really have the time and money to put into those embellishments. They would be cool, I admit, but whether they would be equivalent to all the extra money and time it would take. And it would actually take a lot of extra time. Right now the battle reports are super quick to edit and that's kind of one of our strengths. It does mean that you're not gonna get the same production value uh, or quality as some of the other battle report channels out there when it comes to on-screen stuff. Uh, But you'll also notice that those channels usually put out less battle reports. And so we're focused more on just the personalities and the funness of the game. Not that those other people aren't, but we wanna get more of them out to you and um, and that means we can't have quite as many embellishments on them without making them cost prohibitive, because this is expensive. It's actually very expensive to run this business, and uh, thanks to our vault members, we're able to stay in business. But we're not raking in tons of cash. Whatever it looks like, we're not uh, we're 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 not like super rich over here. We're we're making ends meet, and we're doing okay, and we're 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 in business. We're not going anywhere, but we're hardly super rich. And, and just uh, able to do whatever we want. So we're actually quite restricted in our budget. And so that would unfortunately kind of push us out. And you might think it's quick and simple, but it's not. Um, there's a few different things that have to happen for that to to do it. And, they, and it really increases the editing time. And that, would, and that would require us to hire another full-time editor in order to just do that. So, and that's not in the budget, unfortunately. We need to put that money in other places like just making more videos and improving terrain and models and all that kind of stuff too. Marcus Shoebridge, do you honestly think the new marine buffs are warranted? They weren't having issues before and yet they've gotten almost twice as powerful. Given the leaks I've seen for Necrons and Tyranids so far, Zeno you know, seem to be getting worse for the most part. Um, I, I have no problem with the whole two wounds thing for the, for the firstborn. I think that's pretty cool. But like I said earlier in the video, everything getting all these buffs is, is a little out of hand. So Space Marines needed a major nerf. Hopefully in their next codex we'll see them tone down quite a bit. And all you need to do in order to tone them down is you don't have to change any of their stats, uh, just significantly raise their points costs. That's all you got to do. If you think about it, 7th edition, Tau were reigning supreme at, at one point near the end of, ta- of the 7th edition. They were they were so overpowered, and every army kind of goes through this phase, but I remember they were. And I remember whenever I'd build a Tau list, I would build my list on Battlescribe, and then I'd be like, okay, there's my list. And then I'd look and be like, oh, I'm only at 1,500 points. I still have another 500 points. And I'm like, but this is a this is a... Uh, a really good army, and this will be able to take on my opponent. So I'd add another 500 points, and then I'd destroy my opponent. Then 8th edition comes out, points changes happen, and guess what? That 1,500 points that I had built before, all their points values go up so much, for Tau specifically, that that's now 2,000 points, whereas other armies didn't get quite the same nerf. Now some of the other ones did, and I'm sure you have your story of yours that did too, but it brought them, it made them not nearly as powerful, but they were still competitive and fun to play. And but that's that's how they got fixed, and so they didn't have to get major rules changes. Although seventh to eighth obviously changed a lot of rules overall, but they just needed a points adjustment. I think Space Marines need the same thing. Basically, fifteen hundred points of Space Marines right now should cost two thousand points when that new codex comes out, and that's that might get us where we need to be with them. Now they're not the only consideration. There are other armies that need the same treatment. Essentially, the whole game has gotten out of whack with these points. Like, uh, First off, 2,000 points, like picturing that 2,000 points is a standard game is just not realistic anymore. There's just so many models on the table compared to older editions, and there's a lot more rules, a lot more rules to the game than there used to be. Uh, just stratagems alone really add to the complexity of the game and, and how long it takes to play, unless you're like, like have played the same army for for a, a, tons and tons of games, and so you just know everything off by heart, and then you can go much faster. But overall, I remember in the older editions, our goal was always to film two battle reports every day. And this was with guests who were slower at getting stuff done because they were new to the process that we were doing. And we could get two games done every day. Every, every once in a while, it'd be like, oh shoot, this first game took too long, so we'll just play a thousand point game for the second one. But we could easily get two games done every day. Now, we wouldn't even imagine or dream trying to get two full-size games of 40K done in a day because it's just, it's just impossible. There's way too much going on and the games take way longer to, to play and to film. And so one of the responses to that is just to bring less points, but people don't want us to be bringing less points. So I want Games Workshop to increase the points of everything so that essentially you're doing the same thing. You're putting less models on the table so there's more back and forth. And so that's what I think the whole game needs, with Space Marines especially. And that's how you balance the game. You don't bring everything else up. You, you nerf the thing that's too powerful. And there might be some things that need buffs, don't get me wrong, but it's just not the only way to balance a game, is to do buffs. So, like I see it in StarCraft. StarCraft 2 is constantly getting, you know, uh, patches that change the meta, but they don't constantly buff things. They'll be like, this thing's being used all the time, let's nerf it, not make everything else more powerful. This thing's never being used, let's buff it. And that's, that's how they do it, so it's this constant like this. And sometimes they'll nerf something that's just being used too much, even if it's not too powerful, just so that, now it's digital, so it's a little different, people aren't buying the models, but just so that the games will get a shakeup and they'll, you'll see a different variety to it because you're still playing the same three armies and um, there's not a ton of variety within those armies in the game. So I think there's a lot to be learned from that. Ali Vasquez, if you could create your own faction, what would it be? I would create a non-imperium human faction with special high tech. Um, I would definitely expand on the Tau, I know you're saying a new faction, but I mean like the tower is supposed to be this conqueror, greater good conquer of all sorts of species. So they're, they're very Xenos friendly, as opposed to the Imperium, which is you know humans only. And even then, as long as you're not on this huge list of things. <laughs> so they're, they're very xenophobic and also very prejudiced against anything that could smell of chaos, even if it's not chaos. It's like, oh sorry, you were born a little shorter than average? You're a mutant, heretic, let's burn you. Um, anyway, so I'd love to see an expansion of all the Tau subraces like Crute and Vespids getting almost, not their own codexes, but maybe their own supplements or at least an expansion on their lines and then introducing some new ones as well, some other Xenos species that the Tau have kind of brought into their, their fold and make them interesting and actually usable. Not just, and you know what, if you want to do a bunch of them and just have like, kind of like how the Crute and the Vespid, there's... There's a little bit of crute. There's the Vespid have one squad. The crute have what? The carnivores, the hounds, and the riders, basically. So you got those three things. Cool. Uh, expand on the Vespid, give them a couple more things as well. And then introduce other Xenos races. I'd love to see that, just that, that proliferation of that. I'd also love to see, yeah, an Imperium, uh, no, not an Imperium, a human race that's on this dark side of the Imperium. That's not Chaos, but is not Imperium. And so almost like a a coalition of, like, um, warlords who are running a multi-sector, or like a full sector-wide whatever, like a, since the Imperium no longer has control, they've taken over. And so they, they could borrow some stuff from the Imperium stuff, but then they could also have some other things as well. Uh, but definitely expanding on all the Xeno you know, stuff and just, you know, wrap them into the Tau, that would be really cool. Or even making their own thing, so they have their own codexes, but and then make them so like, they can be brought with the Tau or something like that. Kind of like how Genes they're called are kind of that hybrid between Tyranids and Imperium. You could have them play with Aster Militarum, but they're also their own thing, and they could also play with Tyranids. Uh, okay, so what I'm going to do here, because I think these are all in order, is those two pages are done. Throw those aside. What time are we at right now? Oops, I have my timer running. Oh, we're about halfway done. Okay. And then I'm going to shuffle these pages so that we're not doing newest to oldest, okay? So shuffled, and oof, this is a lot more to shuffle. We're just gonna shuffle these around. Don't forget, next week is Josh. Leave your comments below to ask him questions. Okay? We'll eventually come back to me as we go through everybody. So if you wanna ask me questions, just wait until I'm next, which I don't know the full order of everything. We'll 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 reveal that as we as we release these. Going back to some YouTube ones. Ah, I already answered that one. Yuri Lopez, what is your favorite sci-fi novel? Sci-fi specifically? Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. That's hard. I'd probably say the Enders game series. But I really enjoyed the Pathfinder series by Orson Scott Card too. Both Orson Scott Card. So um I don't read nearly as much sci-fi as I do fantasy, which is funny because I watch more sci-fi movies and TV shows than I do fantasy, but that's probably because right now there's more sci-fi out than fantasy. And all the fantasy stuff always tries to be too gory and too edgy. Sorry, did I say sci-fi, the fantasy stuff. Sci-fi does that too now, but less so. Um, Yeah, I'd say those ones. I really, really like Orson Scott Card. Ender's Game series and the Pathfinder series. We're really good. Pathfinder, not D&D related. It's a totally different, it's his own sci-fi thing that involves all sorts of cool stuff. I'm not gonna spoil any of it, but I, I strongly recommend you check that out. Uh, Space Monkey, it's great. Glad you guys are back at it. Thank you. Miniature Adventures. Hey Matthew, so quick question. How has a lockdown affected Mini Wargaming Studios and has the time away from the studio allowed you to take a step back and look at Mini Wargaming going forward, like ideas for content? It's had a huge impact. First off, obviously, um, We all had to film from home, and a few things came from that. First off, like I said, our audience had responded very well, very sympathetically, and a lot of people signed up for the Vault. We had a huge growth in the Vault memberships for a good six weeks before it went back to normal, and and that was really awesome. That carried us through because we lost a lot of revenue in other areas, and so that basically made up for all of that. So we didn't have to lay anybody off um, because of that, so that was really good. it also allowed us to kind of reevaluate certain things like uh, I finally figured out some of the audio problems. Like if you all have ever noticed that before our audio quality sucked and now it's way better. That's because I discovered all along that there was this tiny little piece of equipment that we were using that was causing all the distortions and it shouldn't have caused any and it really frustrates me even to talk about it right now. But our audio has really improved. So we, we were able to figure out how to, um, to properly do that because I, I received some equipment during the pandemic and I was able to kind of, a lot for a reset basically able to reevaluate things and, and going forward, how we're, gonna, how we're gonna operate. Also during that, I took some time off of making content and really got back into web development. And so I'm not sure if you noticed, if you use our website, I hope that you've noticed that there's been a lot of improvements to its functionality, both visually and just um, behind the scenes. So it should work faster, things should load faster. Um, a lot of things have been improved. There's still a ton of improvements I wanna make. I'm gonna, every once in a while, take some time off to work on the website. Uh, pretty soon, actually, I'll be doing that, but you shouldn't notice that because I'm going to build up a bunch of narrative campaigns and then I'll take some time off and then come back before they run out. And so that really allowed me to step into that, which is, which is, has been very important. So it's overall, besides obviously people dying and being hugely affected financially because of the pandemic, it's been really good for us um, because it's allowed us to kind of take a deep breath, step back and reevaluate things. And as much as I don't want all the events to be shut down, the fact that all the events are shut down has also given us some breathing time to focus on our content. Uh, I really look forward to when we can get back to writing events and having people here. But it's been kind of nice to have a reason to only worry about one thing at a time. And so, so that, that's, that's been good. So once again, you know, I would never choose for this type of thing to happen because it's been pretty bad. A lot of people have died because of this or have gotten sick or have lost jobs or, you know, it has had a lot of negative effect. But I can't help but feel um, a little, a lot fortunate that uh, overall I haven't really seen anybody seriously hurt because of this. We've been pretty sheltered in this area of Canada where we are. Canada overall has been, uh, done pretty well. Um, not perfect, but pretty well. And where, where I live, where we live here, it's even, is largely untouched by the coronavirus. And so we've been able to kind of reap some of the benefits from it, which like I said before, I would never ask for this to happen, but you know, you gotta make do with what you got. Look for the silver lining. So, so yeah, there's been a lot of good because of that.
1: It's been really hard on my
0: family because four kids staying home with their mom as I've been at work for almost six months now can drive anybody insane. And she's looking very much forward to them going back to school in a couple weeks. So we'll see how that goes. Austin Scout and Matt, if you want to get into Age of Sigmar or 40K, what's the best strategy for buying and painting minis for a beginner? Well, painting, there's a ton of videos and advice out there for how to paint quickly. Uh, we've got over a thousand painting tutorials in the Mini Wargaming Vault if you're a Silver member, so you can check that out. Uh, we've also, if you just want to buy them on a hard drive, we've got, it's, it's available for pre-order right now, but it's just about ready to go out probably in the next couple weeks. We, if you go to shop.miniwargaming.com, we've got a hard drive with over a thousand painting tutorials on it from beginner to advanced stuff. But for, to start, the best strategy for buying, Like I made a video about what you need to get into 40k. I eventually plan on making a video to the the cheapest way to get into it, but just like the short version of it. um, Obviously, any starter sets will usually save you a lot of money, uh, especially if you can go in it with a friend because the starter sets usually have two factions in it like Space Marines and Necrons right now are the ones that you see. So if you have a friend interested in Necrons and you're interested in Space Marines or vice versa, then you split it and you can save a lot of money that way. The get started, get the start collecting box sets are always a great value if you want the stuff inside of them. Some of them are better than others because some of them have models that you wouldn't normally care to collect in your army, but for the most part, they are good values. Also, the aftermarket um, stuff, like going to eBay to buy used armies and then just um, either ones that are not painted or ones that are partly painted, and you'd have to that can be a bit tricky because then you're You might be dealing with some pretty bad paint schemes out there that you need to learn how to strip the paint off of, but it's not incredibly hard to strip paint once you learn how to do it. So that's, uh, if you're looking for absolute cheapest way. Of course, the, you can, when it comes to books and stuff, the core rules are available for free. You're going to want a rule book because of all the other stuff in it, but you can get away with just a few things. People who say you don't need a codex because you can just use Battlescribe, that's nonsense. You need the codex for your army because... Battlescribe doesn't allow you to just learn all your army, it just, you, you, it, it allows you to build it, and then you can see the rules for those things, but it's not a good way to really delve through everything. And of course, I'm against pirating, or like finding like aftermarket third-party casts of the same thing out of just copyright infringement. Don't do that because, you know, if we love this hobby, we need to support the company who provides it. And so make sure you buy legit models. Now, it doesn't have to be straight from the manufacturer. You could buy from another person who owned them before, Um, That's perfectly fine and legit and ethical. So those are just a few ways to kind of quickly get into it but, um, and start small, don't overwhelm yourself, don't buy too much unless, uh, because then you'll get overwhelmed and not want to paint any of it. Okay. Uh, Mask of a Man. Hi Matthew, I'm looking to start a, a slow grow campaign for me and a few friends and I want to start tiering it. just wondering what you would suggest starting at 500 points and moving up to 1,000, 2,000. Thanks, glad you're back to doing sit and talks. I made a video about this actually. It's from 8th edition and it's not that old though. So go back and watch that. And I talked about how to build a 1,000 point and then up to a 2,000 point. Now you said 500 points. Um, the, gets, the, the start collecting box set is, is the perfect way to start. It has a trigon in it, which you know, is not the best thing, but it's a good value. And you can always run it as a Moloch, which is cheaper and does mortal wounds and stuff. And then go back and watch that video um, and uh, and you should it'll give you a lot more details of all those. Um, Hayaku, Shiki, Matthew, do you ever code anymore? I already answered that. And I already answered the question of what we were up to during lockdown. I already answered how do I feel about space marine power creep. Billy Bish, how many floors does the office have, including basements? Um, one, two three. So there's the basement, there's the main floor, and then there's the, the the hotel rooms, basically like that. So yeah, it's a very long, narrow building. Uh, Lord Lava, Matthew, I've just started getting into Age of Sigmar. How viable are the seraphim at the moment? Um, seraphim are, are fine. Um, they're not the most powerful, but they can definitely be run in different configurations that are good. So Seraphim, and they're fun. They have a lot of cool stuff to them. Um, so yeah, they're good. They're good. I would play them. Clell Leitner, if you have a job opening, how does one apply? Uh, whenever we have a job opening, we would make that known. We would uh, usually publish it on our social media to say that we have something open. And it just depends on the job, how you would apply. Because different if a content producer is a different job opening than you know, say an editor or uh, a marketing person or a tech support, so it just depends on the job. We don't currently have any job openings right now though, and probably won't for a while, not until we can reopen events, in which case that might change. Um, I already answered all of those, so this paper can go away. Let's go back over to some Facebook questions. How much time do I have left? Ooh, still good, almost 20 minutes left. We're doing great here, we're getting lots of questions done. Not gonna get them all done, but uh, we're getting lots done. Colin Stapleton. Hi, Matthew, glad to see you sit and talk is back. Two questions, has lockdown taught you anything? I already answered that one. When is everyone at Worgaming going to play Luca's hair color game? I think you would suit green hair very well. <laughs> no, I haven't lost a bet. I'm not coloring my hair. No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> we've gotten used to his hair color now, but I don't, I don't think he's gonna keep it forever. <laughs> Tracker Signs, will you guys be doing any more Lord of the Rings battle battle reports? Keep up the great work regardless. I appreciate the great content. Uh, Not immediately, but it's kind of, that's probably going to be in a rotation eventually, like Warhammer Fantasy, Horus Heresy. There are other games we definitely want to cover. The main problem, as you may guess, is that Warhammer 40k is so vastly more popular than all of these other games. Now, you might think, well, wait a second. There are other games that are super popular, like maybe you're thinking... Star Wars Legion or Star Wars X-Wing. I actually don't know how popular these games are. I don't, there's there's no perfect way to know uh, exactly how well these all do because they're not all public companies. But um, the, the fact of the matter is, when we make videos, 40K just dominates by far. And so since we're a small company and we need to make money, we have to focus on that. And so Age of Sigmar does well enough that we can continue to cover that on a regular basis. And it also gives us some variety too, which is important. Those people are like, oh, Games Workshop has bought you out. It's like, oh, I wish. But you have other channels that just cover one game. Most channels cover just one game. And so it's hard to cover multiple. There are some that do. And and then some of them do a great job at it. And that's fine because that's kind of their thing. But if you go and look at the channels that cover multiple games and take a look at their views compared to ones that cover just 40K, you're going to see a difference. And that's just the way it is. Um, It's kind of like in Hollywood for movies and in video games. There's a reason that they just keep making more Call of Duties and more NHLs and more and more of the, the, the different sports games and more Mario stuff and there's a reason they keep making another Transformers and they, basically once companies find something that makes money, you bet they're going to keep doing that thing until it stops making the money because their primary goal is to make money. Secondary goal would then be to also provide a good product whichever that would be. Usually that secondary is required in order to do the primary, but not always, because um, there are plenty of computer games that I think would be way better than Call of Duty and stuff, or all of these, you know, a Warzone and PUBG and all this kind of stuff, but the, the fact of the matter is that those have the general appeal, so they get the most money, and that's what it comes down to. Every once in a while you get lucky, like uh, the Avengers Cinematic Universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that they both got the money and they developed an incredible product, but most of the time you get things like Transformers, where the movies are arguably good or bad, doesn't really matter, but they're not, you know, they make a lot of money, but, you know, they're not necessarily art, (laughs) if you would say that. Um, Whereas, but thankfully the markets of all these things have gotten so big that now independent creators and the technology has gotten better, the independent creators can create good stuff. Like computer games that come out from independent creators now, are there's so many really good ones. Um, and when I say independent, I mean like low budget. Like you look at Minecraft, you look at Battletech. Um, it was Kickstarted to make Battletech, and it's a fantastic game. It's got its flaws, but it's fantastic. You look at Ori and the Blind Force, there's tons of games, tons of games, and movies. There's a lot of independent movies that are really good too, that uh, are low budget movies. But typically they can't do the things like, high-end graphic budget and all that kind of stuff. Uh, So they excel in different areas. So that's kind of the same thing. This is a long winded way of me saying, we want to do these other games. We love Lord of the Rings. We love Horus Heresy. Like the guys here love Horus Heresy. Um, There's a lot of games that these guys would love to be playing on camera, but when it comes down to it, we can make a pairing of 40K and get a bunch of vault signups. And then some people will complain that we only do 40K or we can replace that because it takes the same amount of manpower, if not more, with a pairing of something else and make a lot less money and make a, a smaller number of people really happy that we're covering that. And so that's hard. But what we can do is every once in a while, because we can get ahead in our content as long as everything goes well. So once we're ahead enough, we can be like, okay, we got some breathing space. So let's do some stuff for us. Like, what do you guys want to play? Oh, Lord of the Rings, Horus Heresy. Okay, let's make, or Fantasy. Let's, let's make a bunch of those and then we can show them to you guys as well. But honestly, I would, tr- I would do that more because it gives our guys a break and uh, from just doing the same game over and over again than for trying to make money from it. That would be more that. And, and, you know, and then it also has the side benefit of uh, fan service, allowing you guys to see some of these other games as well. So that's how our decisions come down and that's just unfortunately the name of the game. Um, we're not making tons of money, otherwise we'd have a lot more choices. Like if we were making so much money that we expand and we have 30 content producers instead of just the five of us, then all of a sudden you can start filling in those niches. But the miniature wargaming market is a small market. Okay, Games Workshop is the biggest company and it's not that big a company. It is big, don't get me wrong, but a couple hundred million a year, that's, that's got this not a small amount of money, but it's also not a lot of money compared to plenty of other markets out there. So, and we're just a subset of that. We're a media company covering a small market. Thankfully, it's an affluent market. In other words, people spend a lot of money in it. So that kind of disproportionately allows us to make more money than we should for the views that we're getting, but it's still a small market with its limitations. Tina Burnett, what direction would you like to see Mini Wargaming's content and resources go personally versus where do you think it has to go rising with the 40K tides? Are they the same or do you feel a need to expand as 40K expands because it drives numbers and is good for business? So I kind of already answered that. Um, but I could answer the second question of what I'd like personally. My dream would be able to make just as much money as we're making, if not more, by covering whatever we want to cover. So I think to like Will Wheaton's tabletop seasons that he did for a little while there, for a few years, and how he just played the games that he wanted to play. He wouldn't allow sponsorships. People couldn't buy their way into that with the games. And it was, it was a show more about the personalities than it was about the specific games. And in fact, they usually got lots of rules wrong and he knew that, and they're just having fun as, you know, it was just him and a a few other celebrities, whether A-list or B-list, and they were just having fun. And um, I'd love to be able to do something like that, where we just play the games we want to play whenever we want to play them. Um, Still, you know, not that his show was, it was high production value, it was probably, it was a lot of work, it was very intense, but in the end, the games they played were whatever they wanted to. So that's what I wish we could do. I wish we could just play whatever games we wanted to, and and the, the numbers could be the same. So that's what I'd like, but that's just not the reality. Um, Chad Evans. Hi, Matthew. A couple of quick questions for you. I'm a subscriber, and sometimes just log into the website to watch your videos. I was wondering if that affects your income from YouTube at all. My second question is, what is your favorite new or changed rule from 9th edition? I, I, honestly, I don't know. I don't think so, because most of the YouTube revenue comes from the in-video ads, not like the ads that show in the, the side of the video after that. So we'd rather you be on our website um, because that's where our Vault stuff is and where all sorts of other stuff is as well. So I might personally, if you, were, if you don't care, then I'd rather you on our website. And I'm working really hard to improve the website experience so people wanna be there, especially Vault members, because obviously that's where all the videos are rather than just the YouTube ones. Okay. Let's see. I already answered that. It's funny. After after you answer a bunch of questions and sit and talk, then you start to be able to skip a lot because a lot of people are interested in the same thing, which kind of works out. That means that I don't answer everybody's questions, but some I answer a lot more questions than I think. All right. Okay. So I answered that, answered that, answered that. Answered. Oh, hold on. Lantern Geist. What is, which is your favorite chaos god and or army? Um. Zinch probably, because I just like the manipulation, not that I want to do that in real life, but it creates for, it makes for good stories. Um, As for Armies for Chaos and Age of Sigmar, I've been playing Disciples of Zinch recently and I've been enjoying them. I think out of all the Chaos Armies I enjoy them the most, but I do look forward to delving more into Nurgle and Khorne, and just like Undivided as well. In 40k I don't really play Chaos, but once again, the Thousand Suns, and it's it's usually Zinch and Nurgle get the most attention from Games Workshop, um, with, with then Corn and Slanesh being third and fourth, respectively. Usually, usually. Obviously, that changes. Uh, but the Thousand Suns and Death Card armies look super cool. Like, when you get a really good-looking Thousand Suns army out there, or a really good Death Card army, those look super cool. So I'd, I'd rank those as my top ones and all of that. Uh, it's... Clell Leitner, are you guys going to have battle reports and visitors again? Uh, eventually we will reopen and have events. Are we gonna be having regular guest battle reports where all of our battle reports are with guests? No, we're not gonna be going back to that. We're gonna be having a shift once everything opens up again. But we are gonna be trying to run lots of events and you will see time to time some um, visitors in battle reports. But um, we are focusing definitely a lot more on producer versus producer. Uh, one Facebook question, Jesse Hamill, tips for getting s- someone getting into 40k along with younger kids. Uh, depends on how young those kids are. If they're 10 or higher, or 10 or older, maybe more like 12 or older, the full game of Warhammer 40k is a little much for younger kids, both because it has a lot of mature content but also because of the complexity of the rules. I have a 10 year old and he's, and you might think I'm just gonna say this because I'm his father, but he's really smart and he understands rules, I think, Years in advance, at least he's like a year or two ahead when it comes to understanding rules. But 40k and Age of Sigmar are still too much for him. But we play we play D and D together. I we do a single player D and D campaign every week or two, and he's really gotten to know the D and D rules. So Dungeons and Dragons, he's really gotten into. We play Blitz Bowl, which is a lot of fun. Um, we play ba- like computer games together. We play BattleTech computer game together. We've actually played the BattleTech board game together. That one's not too complex for him, but it just kind of is a little time consuming. So. He enjoys a lot of those things, but I think I would get into um, games like Kill Team or War Cry, like those smaller skirmish size games with uh, younger kids before because it just allows you to ease into it and there's a lot, technically a lot less rules. Kill Team can be a little, it's a little more complicated. Warcry Cry is much simpler for Age of Sigmar. Um, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd get into those kind of things first, or like Space Hulk or the board games they've been coming out with. A lot of those are a lot of fun, like Blitz Bowl, um, the Space Marine Adventure game, that one's kind of fun, simple but fun. Uh, and there's some new ones as well that are coming out with. So that's what I would start with with young kids. Now if they're 12 plus, well then you just get into 40k. And obviously you need to work with shield them from any of those types of players that make the game a miserable mess for them and, and make sure they, they just have as much fun as possible. But it's going to be challenging for young kids because it's obviously this is not designed for young kids, both theme and rules wise. YouTube question. Wastelander, been a fan for years and probably will be forever. Keep going, lads. Okay, sorry. I I swear I didn't uh, pre-read that. Thank you, Wastelander. Um, Bishop Purvis. Okay, I'm really glad to see this coming back, but there's one thing that has been bothering me. Where is Colin? I miss him. I understand if he's busy doing other work. At least he's still with the company, but we haven't seen anything, not even a walk-by. I want bat reps with him again. Also, I need Blood Bowl. With a new set coming out, can we please have a new league? Bishop. Uh, Colin is our video editor, and he is full-time video editing. He's very busy, so you're not going to see him in very many battle reports. He's not a content producer. Maybe as the, like, he's he's not that he's not good at being a content producer, but that's not his job. His job is to edit videos, and that keeps him busy full-time. And he's great at it, and we love that he does that. Uh, For Blood Bowl, we don't have any plans to cover more Blood Bowl. I know we were in the middle of a season before the pandemic, but that's been cancelled. We did some Blood during the pandemic. Same thing, a lot of people have been asking when am I going to finish the Necromunda campaign that I was doing with Vito. Well, actually as of just not too long ago, Vito no longer works here. I'm not going to go into all the details, but it was an amicable parting. And we wish him the best in all of his future endeavors, but we're not going to be finishing that one, unfortunately. I know that that's a letdown because there was still more story to be told, but it was just too much of a disruption with the pandemic for, for me to be able to get back into that. There was still, there was too much of other stuff I had to get done first. So I apologize. One day we may revisit that and like do a second season of that Necromunda campaign and continue his story. But as for now, I'm officially announcing that that is canceled. Well, I'll have to put that somewhere else too, cause not deep into a sit and talk. And so, sorry, no plans for Blood Bowl, but we do eventually wanna do Blood Bowl again. Maybe just not with me in it, cause I just get too, I get, I get too, um, what's the word, invested. And so <laughs> I think the game is great, but it just bothers the heck out of me because it masquerades as a super tactical game, but then the dice just screw all that over and make you think that something should happen and that doesn't. Watching people do things that they shouldn't technically be able to do, but then they roll all the good dice and then you do something that should be easy and you roll the bad dice and, I care too much because that game is, is too tactical. And so I don't like games that are too tactical because then I start to expect them to be a certain way. But then when there's dice involved, that just kind of throws a tactic at the window and that frustrates me. So that's what happens with me. Uh, Roland Grobler, don't we already sit and talk with Dave about the only army that matters in 40K? Yes, you do have your weekly Shrine of Chaos and that's not going away. So you can continue to talk about the only army that matters in 40K. Christopher Maker, my question is, is your life dependent on it? And you had if if your life dependent on it and you had to pick one faction from each Grand Alliance, so I'm assuming Age of Sigmar, and these are the only four factions you can play for the rest of this edition, what would they be and why? Um, order would be Cities of Sigmar, because there's a lot of variety there, so haha. Uh, destruction, probably Clum Spike gets or orc war clans. They're both really fun. Gloom Spike gets has more variety, but orc war clans are just fun. So orc war clans. And for death, I would have said bone reapers before because I love the look of their models, but Lucas cured me of that because they're just kind of too much. I know that they're, and they, that's just right now with the meta, eventually they won't be the best. I think legions in the gash because I actually do enjoy the variety once again. I'm choosing the ones that give me the most variety except for the orcs, but destruction doesn't have the most variety. And then for Chaos, Disciples of Zinch, or Slaves of Darkness. So probably Disciples of Zinch because then I can play with all this stuff from mostly from Slaves of Darkness. So I like that. So probably probably Disciples of Zinch. Um, also, what do you want to see introduced to Age of Sigmar in future editions? Uh, I'd like to see them get rid of the random turn mechanic. The game doesn't need it. It's, it's just, it's just a thing that skews it too much. At first I thought that there was ways to make it work, and there are. If they're not going to get rid of it, then you've got to seriously change the scenarios so they benefit whoever goes second a lot more. And they, like, they introduced things like endless spells. It's like, ooh, this is going to make people want to go second. But then they just kind of did away with them. They made bound endless spells that nobody else can touch, or they made everybody else have judgments which nobody else can touch. And so, or the, you know, so the people just bring the endless spells that, don't matter, like, if you want to control it, whatever, it only goes in one direction or it doesn't move. So those were kind of a, a non-thing. But I, if scenarios were significantly retooled so that the person going second had a huge benefit, just little things like you, you score points at the end of the battle round rather than at the end of your turn was is one big different way to do that. But there should also be some other benefits. That should be primarily every scenario. You should never score victory points for objectives at the end of your turn. It should always be at the end of the battle round or the start of your turn because that means the same thing basically, kind of. And so if it's end of battle round, the person going second has a significant advantage right there, um, but that, that would be like one thing. There should also be some other secondary benefit always to every scenario for going second. Uh, like they used to have that with relocation orb, the person going second, the, the objective was worth three points and the person going first was worth one. So that that to me, that's a really good idea, but that one was kind of wonky and then they got rid of it. And so none of the scenarios really care about giving somebody the benefit to going second. For the most part, there's the one where the objectives disappear and whoever goes second gets to choose that. So that would, to me, would be like a secondary thing. So that that scenario should also be that you only score victory points for objectives at the end of the battle round and the person going second gets to remove the ones. So every scenario should have that. If you do that, then maybe the random turn mechanic can still work. But, um, like, it should be a much harder choice of You know, if you roll and by winning the roll off you get to double turn. So that would be the thing I'd want to change. And one last thing, can we get a petition going for Luca to keep the pink hair? You're welcome to start a petition (laughs) and it's up to him if he's going to do that. Justin Biggs, hey Matt, a group of friends and I have just barely started playing 40k on the tabletop after being longtime fans. Would you recommend that we keep learning 8th edition or should we start trying to learn 9th now or wait till the codexes are available for our chosen factions? Oh 9th edition for sure. The codexes are compatible with 9th. Don't learn an old edition there's not much point in that because that just means that you're gonna have to learn another edition once you start playing with other people as well. So ninth edition for sure. Whether or not the current edition is the best edition, this isn't Dungeons and Dragons. This, this, is, this is a war game where the pe- like most people are going to update to the new edition. Dungeons and Dragons, like some people are still playing old editions of that, right? Because if you and your six friends wanna play an old edition, then that's fine, that's all you need. Whereas with miniature wargaming, there's usually a larger p- number of people that you want to play with, and so you want to do what most people are doing. So, learn the new, the newest edition. Gondor, for Age of Sigmar, what do you think of the new meta with the new strength in Zinch and Seraphim and generally shooting? Are you worried about a power creep with new books as they come out? Always, always, is. there's always gonna be power creep. Um, Age of Sigmar has it just as much, It has it as, like, like 40k has it, it's not as bad as 40k's because there's less shooting. But there's definitely there's definitely an imbalance in the game, and it has the same problem with 40k. It's just that there's less shooting, so it hasn't hit that critical point that I feel that 40k has hit already. Um, South Reno, how do you feel about Elysian drop troops being added to the Legends category? Do you think we'll ever see return of specialized Imperial Guard armies, drop troops, Atlantis, et etc.? Or it'll just be Cadians, Katachan, the occasional DKOK, and really some SL DKOK. Death, Death Corps of Krieg, and really some SL. What's SL? I don't know what SL is, I'm sorry. Death Core of Krieg. Um, from a business standpoint, I think it doesn't make sense for them to split the Imperial Guard into so many different types of models, which is too bad, because I, I love to see that. So yeah, I don't think you're gonna see that. Maybe like relegated to Forge World or something. Um. I already answered that, already answered that, already answered that. M Cannon, what's your favorite army other than Tyranids and Genes to their cult? Sorry if this has already been asked. Don't worry, if it's already been asked, I won't answer it. Favorite army in 40k other than Genes to their cult and tyranids. Um I'm choosing to play Tau kind of next. You're not gonna see me a lot of do it because I've been I'm busy filming narrative campaigns. But probably Sisters of Battle. They're kind of a fun army to play. They have some interesting things. But um I'm not sure, to be honest. I think if I had to pick, cause you know, we, we try not to play the same armies as each other, but if, no, if that didn't matter, uh, I'd probably choose uh, Admech maybe, or Necrons probably. So yeah, just about out of time. Oh, we are out of time. I'll answer speed round. Three more questions, here we go. Uh, Kyle Thomas, what have you worked on model-wise during lockdown? Nothing. I I don't work on models anymore, which I'm happy to do. William Herbert, when writing a tabletop role-playing campaign, what would you say is your main inspiration for the plot? Uh, I don't write homebrewed ones, I use modules and then I massively change them. So the main inspirations for plots for anything narrative campaigns usually come from books or movies or computer games. Uh, Bert Baccaret, hi, Winters mentioned he wants to come to the bunker. Please make this happen. For sure, once we're allowed to. Eric Jentles, when are we getting a new Bat Wrap? I bet you guys could do a great job now. No. Jim Sarder, also a question, more custodes? Uh We'll see. what what is your take on 3D printer models? Would you allow a guest to play with a 3D printed army? If they're custom, not just if they just look like what the Games Workshop models, but if you're like using 3D printers to create interesting custom bits and models that kind of stand in as proxies, yes, I'm totally interested in that. If you're just using it to rip off and not have to purchase the models, then no, not interested in that. And Morgan Anderson, what was your initial reaction to making summoning new units free in Age of Sigmar and what are they now? I don't remember what my initial reaction was because I wasn't big into Age of Sigmar. What do I think about it now? I think it's fine. Um, Some armies have a harder time summoning than others and some can't summon at all. It doesn't seem to break the game. Uh, That's usually not the problem with the game. And one more. Do you think that, from Russell Taylor, do you think that Games Workshop have now got to the point that they have run out of ideas with the Marines, as everything now just seems to be a rehash off something else? Well, how many different ideas can you have with a guy with a power suit and a gun? So have they run out of ideas? I think they got plenty of ideas, but I think those ideas are going to look a lot similar to previous ideas. That's all the time we have. Remember, next week is Josh. So leave the questions for him. Also, go check out the open vault at miniwargaming.com right now, the behind the scenes. That'll be coming out every Saturday. And stay tuned for more Sit and Talks. Thanks so much for watching. Happy Wargaming.